the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Those who are true Christians and will betray them and hate them. I'm sure we have all known people who professed to be Christians, but really weren't. Sometimes it's very hard to discern between real and false believers. That's not really our calling anyway. We have enough trouble with our own behavior and relationship with our Lord. This is Verse by Verse, coming to you from Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Pastor Steve Kreloff leads our class, and currently we are in Matthew 24. This passage is called the Olivet Discourse because Jesus taught it to his disciples on the Mount of Olives, just outside the city of Jerusalem. The entire passage deals with the period of the end time known as the Great Tribulation. Today, Pastor Steve begins a message on the abomination and desolation. He'll be starting in verse 14 of Matthew 24. Open your Bible and get ready for class. Here's Pastor Steve. One of the highlights of my life and my ministry has been to travel to Israel. I've had the privilege of going to the Holy Land on six separate occasions. And every one of those trips have been enriching and really life changing. They've been wonderful. However, in spite of the joy of being in the land of the Bible, each time I've gone to Israel, there is also a note of sadness in my heart, especially on the day that we tour the Holocaust Museum in Jerusalem. The museum is called Yad Vashem. Yad Vashem are two Hebrew words meaning memorial and name, because Yad Vashem is Israel's official remembrance of those who have died In the Holocaust, the museum is Israel's way of saying that we will never forget the over six million Jewish victims and martyrs who died and suffered at the hands of Nazi Germany. Their names will perpetually be remembered. Now, not only is it an incredibly sad and very sobering experience to walk through Yad Vashem and then reliving the horrors of the Holocaust, but when we're finished, Our unsaved Jewish tour guide often has said something to the effect of that we hope and pray that the future will be better for the Jewish people and that we can live in peace among the nations of the world and especially our Arab neighbors. And when I've heard him say this, my heart is always heavy because I know that as difficult and as horrifying as the Holocaust was the worst days of Israel are ahead of her. And I know this because Jesus predicted that a time was coming in Israel's future that would be more horrifying, more devastating than anything she has ever experienced in her 4,000-year history. The Lord spoke about this coming time of unparalleled trouble and tribulation in Matthew 24. So I invite you to open your Bibles to Matthew 24. And I want to read to you from verses 14 through 21. Jesus said, starting in verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached 
in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, let the reader understand, then those who are in Judea must flee to the mountains. Whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. But pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on a Sabbath. For then there will be a great tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. Now, in these verses, Jesus mentions an event he calls the abomination of desolation that will result in the worst of times for the Jewish people. In fact, he said that when you see this event, this abomination of desolation take place, then those of you who are in Judea flee. Get out of there as fast as you can. He said in verse 21 that it will start something that will be so horrible that nothing like this has ever happened since the world began, nor will ever happen in human history. Now, from our studies over the last few weeks, we've seen that Matthew 24 starts off with Jesus explaining to his disciples what life will be like during the last seven years leading up to his return. This is a period of time known in the Old Testament as the time of Jacob's trouble, Jacob being another name for Israel, because it will be a time of unprecedented trouble for the Jewish people. In the New Testament, it goes by another name that is called usually the tribulation or the tribulation period or the great tribulation, because it will be a time of such extreme suffering that is actually defined and characterized by the word tribulation. Now, the reason our Lord spoke about this unique period of time here in Matthew 24 is because some of his disciples, after hearing him say that there was coming a day in which the magnificent temple in Jerusalem would be utterly destroyed. He said that in verse two, the disciples assumed that this would take place. This destruction of the temple would take place at the precise time that the Lord would initiate his kingdom On earth, his millennial or messianic kingdom. So they asked him for a sign. In verse 3, they said, show us a sign that will signal the inaugurating of your messianic kingdom. However, the disciples were wrong in their timing. They were wrong in their timing since the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. by the Roman army. And Jesus still hasn't returned and established his kingdom on earth. So they, they were not correct in their understanding of of time frames. However, for whatever reason, the Lord chose not to correct the disciples about their error in, in the timing. He just didn't address it. But what he did do is he began to give them a lengthy discourse on what the end time tribulation will be like. He did this while sitting on the Mount of Olives opposite the city of Jerusalem. So we call it the Olivet Discourse, And rather than giving them just one sign to look for, Jesus gave them several signs, which he called in verse eight birth pangs or labor pains, because like the labor pains of a pregnant woman, 
they will increase, these events will increase in frequency, in duration, and in intensity as the Lord's return and the birth of the kingdom get closer. And it is these signs, these labor pains, that we've been discovering for the last few Sundays as we've been working our way through these verses. Now, Jesus spoke of the first three signs up to verse 8. From verses 4 through 8, he referred to them as the beginning of birth pangs, because each of these events will take place at the beginning of the tribulation period, the first three and a half years of the tribulation, the seven-year tribulation period. He said that during this time, believers will know that his coming is getting closer because they will be able to see an increase in certain things. There'll be number one, he said in verses four and five, an increase in counterfeit messiahs. There will be a number of individuals who will claim to be the Christ, the Messiah. Now, there's always been people who have claimed to be the Messiah. A few weeks ago, I told you that somewhere I read that in Jewish history, there have been 64 false messiahs. But what Christ is saying here is that there'll be an increase in counterfeit messiahs. There's always been some kooks who have claimed to be the Messiah, but at the time of the tribulation, there'll be many of these folks claiming to be the Messiah. Then in verses 6 and 7, he said there'll be an increase in conflicts between nations, wars, and rumors of wars. There's always been conflicts between nations, but not on this scale. It'll be much more intense and Many more conflicts arising. Then there'll be, he said, another sign will be calamities on the earth. He said that at the end of verse 7, meaning natural disasters, plagues and earthquakes and famines. Then we saw last week the fourth sign, which will take place right at the midway point of the tribulation. And as we go on in our study today, you'll understand why it takes place, why I say it will take place at the midway point of the tribulation. But the fourth sign is a contempt for believers in Christ. There'll be a rise or an increase of contempt for those who believe in Jesus. Verse 9 says this, Then, at that time, he means, they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Jesus said that this hatred of Christians will be so intense that many will be killed for their faith in Christ. Apparently, this is going to be some type of official government-sponsored persecution because they will have the authority to arrest, and that word deliver carries with it authority, and then put believers to death. And those believers who won't be killed by the government will continue to be persecuted and hated by people all over the planet. That's why Jesus said at the end of verse 9, hated by all nations because of my name. So it won't be taking place in just one region of the world. There'll be a worldwide despising of Christians. In fact, this persecution will be so bad that Jesus went on to say in verse 10 that it will cause many to fall away. Look at verse 10, you'll see. At that time, at the time of persecution, he means, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Now, what he means by this is many are going to fall away from pretending to believe in Jesus. You can't fall away from really knowing Christ. True believers don't fall away. But there'll be plenty of people who will have some kind of attachment to the church, to Christianity, but a superficial attachment at that. At that time, when it will cost them their lives 
to be a genuine Christian, they will come out of the closet and say, you know what? It's not worth it. I really don't believe in Jesus like that. And I'm not going to die for what I don't believe in. And so they will fall away from pretending to believe in Christ because they never really believed in him anyway. And the contempt for believers will be so strong that Jesus said those who do fall away will actually turn against those who are true Christians and will betray them and hate them. In fact, we know in chapter 13 of Mark, verses 9 and following, Jesus said that there will be a child who will turn against his parent, parents who will turn against their children. They will betray others. Now, the Lord went on to say that contributing to this massive falling away from biblical Christianity and this betrayal and hatred of genuine Christians will be a rise in false prophets. Notice, notice verse 11. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. There'll be a rise in false prophets who will lure people away from the truth of biblical Christianity and into religious error. And as a result of so many abandoning the message of the Bible, there will be a total disregard for morality and the laws of Scripture so that people will live only for themselves and their own pleasure. That's why verse 12 says this. And it's all a progression here. It's all progressive and leading to this because lawlessness is increased, meaning the laws of God will be disregarded. Of course, they're going to turn their backs on biblical Christianity. The law of God, because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. A total disregard for the moral laws of God as people will live only for themselves, for their own pleasure. And as a result of this self-centered living, many, Jesus said, will grow cold in their love, in their love for others. It's this lack of love, this lack of natural affection that will cause people to betray one another. People they worked with, people they, they, sat next to in churches and sang songs together, relatives, family members, no natural affection. Because why? They won't care. When you disregard the truths of Scripture, you care only about one thing, and that is yourself. Life becomes all about me. I become the center of the universe. Therefore, they won't care about anyone else. And so natural love and affection will be thrown right out the door. But in spite of all the pressure that true believers will face at that time, the pressures of the threat of death, imprisonment, betrayal by former friends and even family members, the appeal of false religion, the Lord went on to say that genuine Christians, as difficult as it will be, they will not renounce him or their faith in him. In fact, he said that they will continue in their loyalty and their allegiance to him right up to the end of their lives, at which time... They will experience then the fullness of their salvation, which is to be glorified and dwell in his presence. Notice verse 13. But the one who endures to the end, he'll be saved. Now, he's not saying that you're saved by your endurance. Nobody is saved by anything they can do. It's only by Christ and him alone. But the mark of someone who really is a Christian is that they will endure. Right up to the end of their life. And then the Lord will bring them into the fullness of salvation in his presence. See, even though it will be the goal of Satan using his chosen evil vessel, the Antichrist, to wipe out Christianity and Christians at that time, he won't succeed. It will not happen. 
because by God's grace, true believers will persevere and they will not forsake their savior, regardless of how fierce the battle gets. In fact, the irony of this, the wonderful irony of of all of this is that instead of silencing the message of Christ, which will be the goal of Satan at that time, Jesus said that the gospel message will be declared throughout the whole world. It'll go further than it ever has gone. Look at verse 14. This gospel, he said, of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, I mentioned this verse to you and I raised the question on how this might be accomplished. That is to say, how is the gospel going to be proclaimed throughout the whole world when it will be the most dangerous time in history to proclaim the gospel. How will it happen when those who share their faith will either be killed or persecuted? Well, first of all, let me quickly say that this verse has nothing to do with evangelism that's going on today. It has nothing to do with missions today. See, this verse has been misunderstood by some because it has been taken out of context to mean that the more missionaries are sent out to people today and the more people hear the gospel, the closer we will be to the second coming of Christ. In other words, we, the church, hold the key, according to this view, to the return of Christ by our evangelistic and missionary efforts. The more witnessing we do, the more missionaries we send out to the various parts of the globe, the quicker Jesus will return. But that's not what this verse is teaching at all. Listen, this statement by Jesus has absolutely nothing to do with the church speeding up the Lord's return by our evangelistic efforts. Remember, everything Jesus said in Matthew 24 is about the future time of the tribulation, not this church age. The church won't even be there. The church will have been raptured prior to the tribulation. So by these words, the Lord is simply saying that during the tribulation period, the gospel will be proclaimed all over the world. This is God's decree and it'll happen. Question is, how will it happen? How will the gospel go everywhere when everywhere believers in Christ go, they'll be hated and persecuted? Well, according to the word of God, there are several ways that God is going to get his message of salvation out during the tribulation. Let me give you those ways. First of all, we are told in Scripture that Christians at that time are going to be very active in sharing their faith, even at the risk of death. Let's look at Mark, Mark chapter 13. Notice verses nine and following. This is a parallel account of what we're reading in Matthew, only it's a little bit more elaborated on here. We're told more about it, at least this part, than in Matthew 24. In verse nine, we read, but be on your guard for they will deliver you to the courts and you'll be flogged. That is whipped, he means, in the synagogues. And you'll stand before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them. The gospel must first be preached to all the nations. When they arrest you and hand you over, don't worry beforehand about what you are to say. But say whatever is given to you in that hour, for it is not you who speaks, but it is the Holy Spirit. Now, Jesus is saying here that in the process of being persecuted for your faith, believers living during the tribulation are going to find themselves standing before government officials. That's what he means by saying governors and kings. 
This will provide them then with incredible opportunities to present the gospel as they share their testimony. In, in fact, in Luke 21, 13, Luke records Jesus as saying it will lead to an opportunity for your testimony. And do you realize what he's saying? Believers in Christ are going to stand before influential government officials, men and women who will, some of them will put them to death or order them to be killed, but not before they'll have the opportunity to share their testimony. That's why Jesus said in verse 11 that they shouldn't worry about what they're going to say while under fire. They shouldn't worry about it. They shouldn't be intimidated by it or fearful because the Holy Spirit at that time will give them wisdom what to speak on, what to, what to say, how to present their testimony. So one way we know that the gospel is going to be proclaimed throughout the world is that during the tribulation, persecuted Christians are going to have plenty of opportunities to share their testimony with influential government leaders. Some, we would assume, will be saved and they will get the gospel out to others as well. Another way that God is going to cover the globe with the message of Christ is that he will raise up many who will be unusually zealous and aggressive and blessed by God in their evangelistic efforts. Now, you don't need to turn there because we have a lot to cover today. But in Revelation 7, which we looked at several weeks ago, we know that God at the beginning of the tribulation is going to save, set aside and supernaturally protect and preserve 144 thousand Jewish people from each of the tribes of Israel. Revelation 7 teaches that. And these Jewish Christians are going to be, imagine, they're going to be like 144,000 Apostle Pauls unleashed all over the world. Because with amazing zeal and passion, they're going to evangelize everyone they come in contact with. And the result will be, according to Revelation 7, 9, there will be an unprecedented Number of people who will be saved. John said it was a number that no man could count. Not just Jewish people, but Gentile people as well. In fact, Revelation 7, 9 says from every nation and all tribes and peoples and languages, they're going to be saved. What an amazing thing this is. In fact, this is such an amazing statistic when you consider that at the start of the tribulation, there were no Christians on the planet. They'd all, they'd all been raptured. At the beginning of the tribulation, no believers in the world. But we read here that there will be so many conversions during the tribulation that John said no one will be able to keep count of their number. God is good, and he's going to mercifully save a number that no man could count. Now, in addition to the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, Revelation 11 tells us that God is going to send two unnamed special witnesses to the people of this world who will testify about Jesus Christ. These men, according to Revelation 11, will have the ability to do supernatural wonders and miracles. And many Bible students think that these two witnesses will be the Old Testament characters, Moses and Elijah, brought back to earth for this special assignment. Now, Scripture does not name these men. Could they be Moses and Elijah? Sure. But they may just be two unnamed men. They will minister in Jerusalem, 
and they will be special witnesses. In our next class, Pastor Steve will continue our study on these two witnesses and their impact on the world. Thanks for tuning in to today's Bible study. If you didn't get to hear all of it, you can listen to it again by going to our website, versebyverseradio.org. Perhaps you'd just like to listen again to better understand all that was discussed. You can download the message and share it with a friend. All of the studies on our website are available free of charge. They are all great resources to help you in your walk with the Lord Jesus. The web address once again is versebyverseradio, all one word, dot O-R-G. While there, you can sign up for our free podcasting service as well. If you have any questions, please call us at 727-239-0306 during regular business hours. We'd love to visit and pray with you. That's 727-239-0306. I'm your announcer, Jerry Pruden, inviting you to be here again for the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's versebyverseradio.org. Sandra Southwick from Faith Talk 570 and 910, and we've been talking a little bit about Genesis 10 and how God's intention in showing the genealogies of Noah's sons was to show that there is a unity in created humanity. Another purpose for Genesis 10 being all genealogies was to look forward to the promise God would give to Abraham that Abraham would be the father of many nations. When we are obedient to God, not only... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.